Hello and welcome to another episode of the Halloween Podcast. I am your host, Lyle Perez, and today I have Lindsay Beckley with me from the Ghost Press Podcast to discuss some ghost stories. Lindsay, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very good. Thank you so much for being a last minute guest host for me. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Always, always looking for new people to talk to about spooky stories, so uh, I'm excited who- to get started. Who doesn't love spooky stories? And your podcast sounds very interesting. I haven't heard it, but I am very interested. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, my background is in history, and uh, I do a lot of research in the newspapers and historic newspapers. And, um, you know, one day I was I was researching, and I came across this really great and uh, uh, kind of crazy ghost story. So um, I kind of just... It flash it was literally like a flash in my mind that I needed to make a podcast about this because I love podcasts and I already had one so um, basically what we do is we take uh, historic newspapers and the ghost stories that we find in them usually they're from around uh, from the 1700s to the 1900s and um, we retell the stories that are in those old newspapers and we kind of do it in a more theatrical uh, kind of way more of a old-timey radio kind of production um, so that's that's it in a nutshell each show has a few different stories in it and they're themed around a specific topic the last one was about uh, ghosts of murdered people we've done uh, ghosts on ships we've done uh, just haunted houses so we've done a few different things so far so we're, we're excited to to uh, get some get some different more even more eccentric ghost stories out there oh awesome where can people find it yeah you can find it um you know wherever you get your podcasts uh, apple podcasts google play all that and then online uh if you want to follow us on twitter it's at ghost press pod same on facebook at ghost press pod and then our website is ghostpresspod.com so pretty much if you can remember ghost press pod you'll find us Awesome, awesome. So this episode, we're going to talk about some ghost stories. So Lindsay, why don't you ex- uh, give us a little bit more of a, a depth as to what the show is going to be about? I kind of like the the reason behind why there are so many ghost stories in old newspapers. So if you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, it kind of starts with uh, spiritualism and yellow journalism, and they kind of combine into this perfect um, storm of paranormal, you know, authors. Uh, so if you want to talk a little bit about that, I'm, I'd be really interested in talking about that. That sounds good to me. Let's go for it. Perfect. So I don't know. Are you very familiar with the spiritual spiritualism movement? Uh, I am not really. I, I try not to, not to look at different clicks. <laughs> that makes any sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that I ever really came across it very much until I was doing some research on a spiritualist camp here in uh, my home state of Indiana. But 
basically it was a, a religious movement in the mid 19th century and it was started by the Fox sisters who uh, claimed that they heard knocking in their house and that they com could communicate with spirits. Uh, it, it turned out uh, one of the sisters said it was a hoax, the other one kind of went against that and said no, it was all real. But uh, whether or not it was real, it did start a religious movement of people um, trying to and in some cases saying that they did um, accomplish connecting with ghosts. And, and people from the afterlife. And from this, we get seances and uh, Ouija boards and a lot of the, the very iconic things that we associate with uh, ghost hunting and, and, and things like that now. So uh, at the same time, there was uh, yellow journalism, which I'm sure that a lot of listeners have heard of. Uh, just, you know, kind of the newspaper wars of, of the uh, late 19th and early 20th century when, um, you know, newspaper um, publishers were kind of publishing anything and everything, uh, even crazy stories just to sell a paper. So those two movements kind of culminated in just a really sharp increase of um, ghost stories in old newspapers. So if you go into, I always, I use newspapers.com, but there are other uh, newspaper sites and you type in ghost plus haunt, you, you usually want to put a qualifier in because if you just do ghosts, you get a lot of holy ghosts. But um, if you just put in ghosts and maybe be haunted or um, uh, maybe apparitions, things like that, you'll get just a plethora of really, really awesome ghost stories. So that's um, that's kind of what made our podcast possible. What kind of newspapers are we talking about? Are we talking about like the Washington Post or just the old old um, town newspapers or like big national ones? What, what, what kind of newspapers are there? Yeah, there's uh, there are a lot of them are more local type newspapers, but there are a lot that are still around or that were at the time very big uh, newspapers. I would say the biggest contributor that I find is uh, the Chicago Tribune, which is still around. Um, and then on the East Coast, there was the, and I'm not, you know, I'm honestly not sure that these are around, but I don't think they are. Uh, the Brooklyn Eagle and the New York Sun were two uh, big ones that would a lot of times pick up on the same stories and kind of try to outdo one another on how like crazy the ghost stories could get. So it's always fun to go back and forth between those two to, <laughs> to uh, see what's happening and see, see how they're spinning it. The Chicago one, uh, that one, there's, there must be a lot of weird stuff that happens in Chicago. Yeah, and, and it's funny because there are some from Chicago, but they apparently were sending reporters all over the United States just looking for ghosts because they 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 come from everywhere. There's a lot from Missouri that are published in the Chicago Tribune. There are some from uh, pretty much, it's mostly Midwest to like the easternmost part of the West United States. But uh, yeah, they, they covered a large swath of, uh, of the United States. And uh, sometimes it feels like I, I write an episode and I'm like, oh wait, all these stories came from the Chicago Tribune. I wonder why that is. Why do you think people really like reading ghost stories? Because if they're actively searching for something to write about just to get a story, there's gotta be a big following of people that like to read those things. 
at the time, I think it was um, a mixture of people who really did believe in spiritualism and who would read these in a much, um, would take the, the stories much more seriously than I think a lot of people uh, that didn't believe in spiritualism would. Um, you know, they, they believed that ghosts weren't, you know, a lot of people today, if they believe in ghosts, they think it's like an energy that has been uh, imprinted on, you know, uh, on our world. But they believed that it was physical spirits who were here and not only could they communicate with you, but they could, um, I don't know, for instance, pick up instruments and play them or they could, you know, if you had a, um, a dark enough room, they could come and touch you or, you know, things like that. So a lot of it was people thinking that it was real or, or wanting to believe that it was real or people who had heard about the spiritualist movement and who kind of derided it and, and kind of read it in a very sarcastic, um, you know, tongue in cheek kind of way. It's, it's some of it is you, when you're reading it, you're like, they don't mean this to be uh, true. It's just uh, purely entertainment. But uh, yeah, I think it was kind of a mix of people really wanting to believe in ghosts and then people thinking those people who want to believe in ghosts are kind of nuts and wanting to kind of poke some fun at them. Yeah, well, the unknown is always something that people gravitate to. Everyone, that's probably why the Halloween podcast gets popular is because I do talk about a lot of ghost stories, talk about a lot of urban legends. I also go to like, you know, the Halloween stuff with, you know, sitcoms and all that other stuff that I talk about. But people do like the ghost stories when i did the the true ghost stories with uh, with hannah a year ago or so those episodes got a ton of hits and i'm pretty sure it's because people love those real ghost stories they love listening to them just because they probably don't understand it we have explained so much of the world that that it seems like there's not very much mystery left in the world but that one facet of of storytelling and of human life is still a mystery to us and I think that you're right that's what draws people to that and what draws people to cryptoids and urban legends and things like that it's uh, not just entertainment but it is a little bit of that mystery that we've lost in the world yeah I do like me an urban legend here or there mostly because I, I like that feeling of not knowing exactly what it is like Bigfoot we don't know what Bigfoot is it could be something it could be nothing it could be that it's just, you know, mass hysteria. It could be that. It could not. I don't know. But whenever there's like a Bigfoot documentary or they're going to go search for Bigfoot, I'll watch it just because I want to see what it's all about. Yeah. And, and, and wouldn't it be so cool if you were watching the documentary in which they found Bigfoot? <laughs> yeah, there has been a lot of documentaries where it kind of seems like they're going to find something like... Um, they're on their way to some mysterious tomb and they're going to go check it out. Or like, what was it? I think it was in the 90s. Um, they did a whole special about Al Capone's, uh, his, one of his vaults that was supposedly closed since they, um, since they caught him. And there was a big old special. I think it was like two hours long. And then they opened it up at the very end and there was nothing in there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it kept everybody hooked in the meantime, I guess. Yeah, everyone was sitting there probably glued. <laughs> and then at the very end, it ended up being nothing. That's how most documentaries feel to me. 
Um, the the Amelia Earhart one that happened uh, earlier this year, or was it late yeah. last year? That one I was expecting for them to be like, you know what? It's uh, you know this is 100% her. We found it. We know where her remains are. But it ended up being nothing like that. It was just all speculation about she could be here. She could have been there. We have this picture. But I'm like, yeah. ah, come on. I, you could have given me something more. Yeah, I followed that when it was breaking, like where when they were saying that that picture, you know, somebody had claimed, oh, yeah, that's definitely her or, you know, 90% her. And I was kind of following it being I, I'm a historian. So being right. in that field, I, you know, as soon as I saw it, I was like, mm, I bet somebody's going to come out against that because there's just, you know, after so much time. Time to find a long lost picture that's you know blurry and from far away and she's looking over her shoulder and she's wearing a hat like uh not so not so sure that that we can call this one yet yeah i once had because i'm i'm a writer i've written a lot of short stories i've written a lot of uh novellas novels and stuff and i always tried to come up with different ideas and and when when we were well when i was watching that documentary and they had they kept showing that image all the time i was like you know what i was thinking in my head if my story was a reality because i I once had a a night a story idea where uh, a person could physically go into a picture or go into a video and kind of see everything see it in a 3d form and I'd be like, how how cool would it have been if if that character would just jump into that picture, take a quick peek, and be like, oh yeah, that's her, and then jump out of the picture, and then be like, yeah, it's 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 extremely her, or no, it's actually this person. It, just weird things. Yeah, if only that would. I think a lot if of only. history's mysteries would be solved if if only we had somebody with that uh, ability. I know. I think all of this stuff would go away if time travel was possible. If we can just keep repeating the same thing over and over again, if we can just go back to that date, go back to that certain time, and then look at whoever is there taking taking that picture, we can tell yes or no. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have a job then. It, there would be nobody, <laughs> uh, no documents left to uh, uncover, and no uh, no stories to piece together from just you know uh, uh, several sources. That would be great, <laughs> but also I guess kind of terrible for me. Yeah, well, that reminds me of another story idea I had where we can basically tap into time travel. And let's say you wanted to see the Battle of Gettysburg. You can just go to a certain channel on the TV and it's live streaming from that timeline and you can see it on the TV. Now that's the dream. That would be awesome. That way that would be 100%. It is It is what it is. It's It's not like, yeah, speculation here or there. It's You're watching it on your TV. It's, that's what it is. Yeah. But yeah, so let's go into some. Do you have any of the ghost stories that you want to tell me about, like actual of the articles? Um, sure, sure. I can. There's one in particular that is kind of my ongoing favorite. Um, well, I've got I've got a couple. Can, can, do we have time for a couple? Oh, we got time. <laughs> okay, I think my my first favorite and kind of near and dear to my heart is. Uh, the Mapleton ghost and she was in Mapleton, New York. It's a near Brooklyn and it was reported in the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Eagle and the New York sun. That's what I was talking about. They kind of go back and forth and, uh, and try to outdo each other in ghost stories. And from what I can tell, these reports were actually true, actually happening. Um, it's not something that they were making up whole cloth. The town actually thought that they were being haunted um, the story went that 
a young lady, of course, she was a beautiful lady because all the women in these stories that died tragically are beautiful. Um, she was riding the train uh, to Mapleton. She got off. She was walking along the train tracks, and um, nobody saw it, but she she took her own life. And um, when people got to her uh, and the police got there, they realized that she had taken pains to make sure that nobody could identify her. So they, she was carrying a, uh, a medicine bottle, and she had taken the label off that and cut all the labels out of her clothes. Kind of reminded me of that. There's a story from Australia, and I'm forgetting the name of the of the man, but it, it was a similar situation to that where uh, they kind of obliterated all uh, traces of who they were. But eventually, they did find out who it was. Her name's Margaret Burning, and um, not much was said about why she might have uh, committed suicide or you know, what was kind of going on in her home life. But um, a few days after that, she, uh, or, you know, it was reported that a white figure was seen in the field uh, where she had taken her life. And so the, the town kind of goes crazy. They go ghost crazy. They, uh, there are factions that really want it to be haunted. So they go out there every night and they're looking and they're giving all these reports and they're saying, yeah, I saw it. She, she raised up from, um, from the, uh, there was like a little berm in the, like a little hill and she rises up from that and she, she glides across the, uh, across the field and into the, the trees on the other side. And it was like almost every night at 10 o'clock she was seen doing this. And, um, and so, you know, of course, newspapers catch wind of it and uh, they start um, reporting on it. And then different committees start um, forming to try to get to the bottom of the story. And my favorite committee is a bicycle club who decided that, well, everybody's saying that the ghost is too quick to catch up with. So we're going to get on our bicycles. And in my imagination, they're penny penny farthing bicycles uh, because it's just a better picture with them having that big wheel and, and the little <laughs> wheel in the back yes. but uh, they, they decide that they're gonna there's a, a gang of them and they're going to wait with their bicycles in the field until she appears and then uh, you know race off towards her and try to catch her slash see if she's a real ghost or some sort of farce and um, so uh, unfortunately, before the uh, night comes that they're supposed to do that, they've all, they all um, lose their nerve and decide to turn back. They say, it's the bad weather, oh, we can't do it, and, but they never reschedule. So that never goes through, but um, there is a, a hunt the next night where several uh, townspeople, like prominent people in the town, go to investigate, and they do see the ghost. Uh, but they are so frightened that they run away from the ghost and um, they end up actually shooting at at the figure uh, to no effect. So uh, it, it's still unclear whether this ghost is, is real or not, uh, but all, all things are pointing towards it's, it's a, a true haunting and, and um, it's kind of an ongoing segment that we have uh, on Ghost Press. So we're not quite to the end of it yet, so I don't want to spoil it for my listeners. But uh, we'll we'll actually be wrapping it up in um, on Halloween. We'll be wrapping up that story, so oh, nice. kind of leave you on a cliffhanger there. Yeah, something to look forward to. Yeah, and then I think my other it's it's not so much as a, a of a ghost story, but it's a um, 
a, a ghost club. It's actually called the Crawfordsville Ghost Club, and it's uh, it's from Crawfordsville, Indiana, uh, so near and dear to my heart, just a few miles away from me. There was a, a club of gentlemen there, uh, kind of well-heeled well gentlemen, um, well-read and, and well-respected in the community. They started this club on, of course, they formed it on Halloween night, and uh, in their club, the only one of the only um, prerequisites for joining the club was that you had to swear and testify uh, on a Bible that you had seen a ghost and that you you had uh, witnessed a, a poltergeist, a ghost, uh, you know, uh, a demon, anything of the the kind of the supernatural realm. So. Um, these guys would get together every other week and basically just tell their ghost stories. So kind of like what we're doing now, only it's their personal ghost stories. And um, I think what makes them, there were lots of clubs then and lots of ghost clubs even, but they kind of stand out amongst the rest because of their meeting room. Their meeting room was, uh, all the walls were white and the windows were painted white and the floor was white. And then standing in contrast to that was black furniture every piece of furniture was black in the corners each corner there was a a skeleton with glowing red eyes they'd actually put um, um, oil lamps in the skulls of these skeletons and they were real skeletons and they stood stood sentry in, in each corner and then the uh, the president who sat at the front uh, he sat behind a desk which was made of a dissection table from the uh, Indiana Hospital for the Insane. They rang each session to uh, order by pulling on a hangman's rope, which was connected to a bell that had been dug out of a of the ashes of a death, deadly fire. So they'd really done all they could to make this uh, <laughs> their meeting place as creepy as possible it sounds very creepy do you know the year of when when this started yeah um let's see let me bring it up real quick because it sounds like something that happened years ago nothing too recent yeah. yeah it was let's see they were founded on like i said halloween night i'm getting there i'm almost there so it started in 1891 1891. I have that article up here, and there's, <laughs> I'm looking at all of these, um, all of these ads that are in the same paper. There's a lot of stuff targeting, like targeting advertising to men. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's a gentleman's club, and yes, it's in, in the not in the ladies section of the newspaper. Of course, women weren't allowed to join this club. It was, the things discussed were um, not for a lady's sensibilities. Yeah, 1891. Is this thing still around, this ghost club? It kind of seems like something that it was passed down like from father to father, you, father to son. I, I have only found, um, I guess, mentions of it up until like right before 1900. That's all I can find. But I am totally all for like re reviving it in a modern sense where women can come and will... We'll have maybe some fake skeletons in the corners, <laughs> and uh, I am all for that. That sounds like my kind of thing. That sounds like a lot of fun. So if you're in the uh, what was it, Indiana, Indiana yeah, area, yeah, in the central Indiana region, come, uh, you know, get at me, and we'll start our own ghost club. But it, yeah, this it it's, it sounds like a like a 
very old school midnight society type place where they just tell ghost stories but instead of stories that they make up it's you know personal paranormal stories but for for this i mean i i don't know i have a hard time believing in a lot of ghost stories mostly because i like to think of everything logically and mm-hmm. i'm i'm the type of person that i don't think a lot of people have had actual paranormal experiences and if a lot of people show up with a bunch of different stories i have like uh, maybe they're not telling the truth maybe they're just lonely maybe they just want to hang around but who knows if they might have all seen something yeah i i've never uh had a paranormal experience i don't know anybody personally that has had a paranormal experience that i would say that i believe um and I, I'm like you, I, I try to think about everything as logically as possible. And I think that even if, if that person believes their ghost story, there's probably a, a logical explanation that they just didn't investigate at the time. Um, yeah, I think it all boils down to fear. If you're mm-hmm. afraid of actually going towards whatever you're looking at, then you're never going to know the truth. Like in um, the previous story, I think it was a previous story you told me, where they where they kind of set up shop and they were like, they're going to be like, she comes through here at 10 o'clock. We're going to set up camp right here and we're going to watch her. And then they ended up hightailing it out of there. So how are you ever going to know exactly. if, if you're too scared? Like my wife, she has told me that she's had a paranormal experience. And I'm all like, great, tell me about it. And she doesn't want to tell me because she knows like how thick-headed i am when it comes to that and and she she watches all of these um like mediums and the the, you know the um long island medium and stuff and i'm like um and then she she tries to tell me look how could you possibly know that and i'm just like uh i don't want to get into the argument to tell you the truth (laughs) and but but she says that she's experienced something and that's my wife like that's somebody who i've known for the past 15 years or so i've been married to her for almost 10 now and Mm -hmm. i don't feel like she's lying to me i just feel like she says she saw something she might be misremembering something something else might have happened Mm -hmm. that she didn't know or it could have just been a ghost either way yeah i i i see uh or i i kind of take the view of ghost stories as uh almost akin to to not saying that it is somebody's religion, but I treat it in the same way I do somebody's religion. I would never, you know, look down on somebody for having a certain religion, and I would never doubt that person's religion to them. They believe that religion. To them, it's real. And same thing with ghost stories. To them, that ghost is real. To them, that experience actually happened and it's a very personal experience and a lot of times it's a very frightening experience so I would never you know uh, mock somebody for having a paranormal experience I would never doubt somebody I believe that they believe they had that experience um, I I am open always to um, expanding my mind and uh, you know I'll believe anything I see so if I if I had ever, if I ever have a paranormal experience that I can't explain in any other way, maybe I, I will then um, open my eye, mind even more. But uh, for now, I I wouldn't say I don't believe in ghosts, but I do say I've never seen a ghost, so I, I am still waiting for that opportunity to believe. <laughs> I am in the same boat. A lot of people tell me all the time, 
why don't you believe in ghosts? There's so, so much uh, documented stuff, and I'm just like, well, because it's something I need to see it. Like mm -hmm. it's it's not something that I'm just gonna believe. And then they go off on, well, how are you gonna look at it if if you've never like go to searching for it? I'm like, man, I spent ten years of my life searching for it, and nothing ever <laughs> happened. I've been to haunted houses. I've been to um, overnight stays on supposedly haunted places. I've been to haunted mm -hmm. cities. And I, I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. I can be in the most haunted room in the world and probably go to sleep without a problem and <laughs> nothing will happen. And like, I, I don't know, uh, I, other people would be terrified of doing that, but I would just be like, sure, I'll just go right in. Why not? Yeah, I love the atmosphere of being in those places, especially with people who do believe. I, I love... Um, I don't know. It's just there. There's a. It's a different experience being in a place that you've heard stories about and that you know. Even if it's not haunted, people have died here. You've heard the history of the place. Um, it's it's such a, a unique experience, especially experiencing it with somebody who does believe and and who's kind of jumpy and 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 they're so on edge and you're just. Um, Maybe a little on edge just because it's kind of bleeding over from them, but <laughs> but you know, you're you're the one that's saying, oh, I don't, I, I think that might have been somebody walking upstairs, or I think that's traffic from outside. <laughs> yeah, I think being with somebody would totally ruin the experience for me. I, I, I oh, yeah? it's like it'd be like watching a scary movie with my wife. I am stone faced when it comes to scary movies. I can sit there, <laughs> things will jump left and right, and I would be completely stone faced looking at it. But her. She screams, she'll throw things, um, she'll grab the pillow and just be tensed. And I'm all like, stop doing that because you doing that is making me scared. <laughs> Not necessarily what's going on on the TV. And she'll just, she'll go off. I can't watch movies with her. You'll, you'll have to um, get your TVs synced up so you can watch them in different rooms. <laughs> but, you know, have your own reactions. Yeah. No, my reaction, always stone-faced. <laughs> See, I'm not like that. I... I try to, you know, be in the in the moment. I try to watch scary movies and and really like let myself be immersed in it. And um, I can't watch like really gory stuff because I do get too immersed and uh, just kind of carries me away. And I don't, I start feeling queasy. But I love uh, paranormal like jump scares stuff like that. But most of the time, I I'm looking at it through, you know, a uh, little peeping through my fingers at it. <laughs> So I, I'd probably be good at watching them with your wife rather than you. Yeah. No, I'd just be stone-faced <laughs> the whole way. But, all right, so that was the uh, the Ghost Club. It's pretty cool that they actually did something like that. Um, what else do you got? You got anything else? Um, Any not that weird? I can think of. I mean, I've got lots of ghost stories, but uh, give most some of them ghost are already stories. on my podcast. Oh, so that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll bleed <laughs> over. Give you some ghost stories. All right, let's see. And they better be real. Oh, you know, I always come in, I never take the ones in the newspapers that seem that, you know, uh, have pen names on them or that, you know, say outright that they're not real because I always like there to be some, some semblance of reality to them. And, and if it says outright at the beginning, written by so-and-so, then I'm always like, oh, can't get into this one. Right. Let's see, let's see. Here's a good one. This one is from uh, let's see, the St. Paul Globe of St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota. It's from 1888. So 
Um, Mr. and Mrs. Howard, they're lifelong residents of the Little Tennessee River Valley. That's another uh, uh, instance of somebody from Minnesota reporting on a ghost story from Tennessee. And um, so they're, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Howard, they're sleeping in their little cottage in, I mean, it's a, it's a rural village in eastern Tennessee. And uh, they hear this crazy ant what they think is an animal noise. They kind of just brush it off and uh, it kind of startles them at first, but they brush it off and uh, go to sleep. It's bad weather out. They're not gonna go check on the animal now. But in the morning, they, they do go out and um, down by the river, uh, on a crossing in the river, they find a body. And it's the body of one John McWade. And um, his head has been nearly severed from his body. His uh, pockets are turned out, his uh, gold watch is missing, and, um, and you know, it's pretty obvious that he's been murdered and then, and then robbed, and, um, but there are no suspects in the, in the murder. Uh, obviously, it's been a day, since, or, you know, a half a day since he's been uh, murdered. There's not really much crime scene investigation going on in the 1880s anyways. So it kind of dies down, neighborhood, you know, gossip, it runs runs through the neighborhood, but um, there's not really any, uh, any suspects at the time. Uh, a lot of people say, well, maybe he got caught up in, in some wrongdoings, maybe, of course, blaming him, saying, uh, well, he's not a farmer, but he lives on that farm, and uh, we don't really know how he makes his money, so maybe he was involved in some nefarious, um, you know, happenings, and, and maybe that's why I think a lot of people try to uh, find a reason why this thing happens to other people so that they can tell themselves that now it won't happen to them because you don't do those bad things. So they did all that, and um, so it kind of faded from memory, but then uh, I'm going to quote from the newspaper now. Uh, Just one year to the very hour and day from the night of the murder, Old Daniel Howard said it, said it, he again heard the same cry for help, rather faint at first, but growing stronger rapidly, as if coming nearer the house. All of a sudden it ceased, but the next instant the latch of the door began to rattle, followed by a sharp rapping on the window. Looking up, Howard said he saw the murdered Wade peering in at the window. Only the head and shoulders were visible, but the plainest part of all was the bloody gash across the throat. And so, of course, this kind of sparked a whole new uh, wave of, of excitement and rumors through the through the town, and um, and kind of faded again though because nothing else happened after then. Uh, but then a, a skeptic, uh, he knew that everybody was expecting on the next year, on the night of the murder, for the same thing to happen. So a skeptic named uh, Cable Gordon said, well, I'm gonna go down there and uh, see what happens and, and see if I, I can catch a glimpse of this ghost. And reading from the newspaper again, he says, all of a sudden, a figure clad in white rose up at the side of the road, which so frightened the horses that they broke into a dead run. There broke upon his ears the most appalling scream he'd ever heard. A mingling, it seemed to him, of fear, pain, and anger. Then he remembered Howard's story, and he knew that he, too, had seen the ghost of the murdered McWade. So, of course, that sparked a 
whole new uh, yeah. new wave of of um, of terror through the town, and it kind of goes through that cycle again and again. Uh, people see it again and again, and um, um, let's see the uh, yeah. I mean, and and it just keeps on happening, and you find year after year the same stories coming up in the newspapers, which is interesting. The same ones about the, the murdered guy. Yeah. It seems. Yeah, that, that Mick Wade, it comes up every year. Of course, it comes up around Halloween, so it's hard to say, uh, you know, if they're just filling their pages or trying to give their readers what they want. But it's interesting to see it uh, go through the years. Is it still happening to this day? No, no. It was maybe three or four years. There, At the end, there was like a overall... Um, like summing up of the events and that's where I got this from. So um, this was all in one story, but if you go back through the, uh, actually, I think that I found uh, reports of it in one of the more local newspapers. And then that's where the Minnesota newspaper picked up on it. Nice. So it's just a one little ghost story and then it just gets validated and then everyone wants to go take a peek. Exactly, exactly. And then it gets revalidated. And um, of course, like you said, everybody's scared, so they run away. They run away. There's never a way to uh, debunk it or, you know, say anything, but that it's a real tried and true ghost story. This sounds like a TV show waiting to happen where they just, they set up camp where it's supposed to happen to see if anything (laughs) happens, like like a ghost hunter show. But they find all these old articles uh, they see the patterns, they go to the same exact spots just to see if anything happens still. Yeah, it's funny because there are so many ghost stories that are very timely ghosts. Like, every year on this night, at this time, there's a ghost. Yeah. and Or like, every single night, right here, there, there's a ghost at this time. And it seems like those would be the most easy ones to debunk because you just go there and... and and don't then, see it yeah but just take take those a peek are the and ones see. i find a lot yeah i i have a very similar story that my cousins would tell me all the time because my cousins they lived in uh like the middle of nowhere type place where i live now basically and they would say that at 12 o'clock at night we were out here on our bikes and we see the ghost running down the street <laughs> and i'm all like uh does it happen all the time and they're like yeah you want to go and i said sure and we were supposed to go, but nobody wanted to go at 12 o'clock at night. So I was like, oh, okay. And then since then, I've thought about it and been like, you know what? I can remember where that street is. I can go at 12 o'clock at night. It's about an hour away from me. I can go and check it out, but I've never done it. I should. Maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. Do a little debunking or, or, or validating. Yeah. Who knows? I might see it running across screaming like they say it does, but I think they were just saying that to scare me. I think I was like five <laughs> or six or something. Yeah, I think we all get uh, get some of those stories growing up. My mom or, you know, and later you find out that everybody heard that story and it was always their mom's cousin's boyfriend yeah. or whatever. Uh, of course, urban legends. But my parents always told me a story of, of course, my mom, literally my mom's cousin's boyfriend who uh, lived in a an apartment. And I'm trying to remember exactly how it went, but... They heard the the garage door opening and closing, and they went out and looked, and there was nobody there, so they locked their door. And for some reason, they had a chain lock on their garage door, or on their you know the the door between the, their garage and their kitchen. And as they were walking away, they heard the 
the chain lock just slide out and drop and uh, turned around of course nobody was there so I am but I've heard that from a few other people too so I'm, I'm sure it's just an urban legend yeah seems like it I mean that those things it, it creeps me out when things start moving mm-hmm like I can, yeah. I, I can see the full body apparition, no problem. But if things start moving on their own, that's kind of where I get a little bit weary. Because then they can touch you, and if they can move, if they can move something, then they can throw something at you. And you know, if it's just a uh, an apparition or um, you know sounds or whatnot, then it's not really any danger to you. But as soon as as soon as stuff gets thrown, then then you're actually in physical danger. Yeah, and then it makes me wonder, what is their weight limit capacity? Can they pick me up and throw me? Can they pick up the room that I'm in? I don't know. (laughs) Right now, they're just picking up little things, but can they really, like, just grab me and lift me up into the air? How high can they go? Can I go way up into the sky? I don't know. Just the unknown. There's a, there's a, uh, something for one of the ghost hunting shows to test out. Just set some barbells out, ask the ghost to lift whichever heaviest one they can. We need to figure out exactly how what the weight limit is on a poltergeist. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, there's so many things that these ghost shows can be doing instead of the same Monday, mundane things of just, you know, hey, a spirit, can you talk to me? They gotta, like, be more creative with this stuff. <laughs> I gotta try to answer questions. Yeah, I don't want to listen to an interview with. Well, I do want to listen to an interview with a ghost, but instead, I listen to a, a unreasonably angry man yelling at ghosts and demanding that they talk to him. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. They need to be like, you know what? Whoever the ghost is around here, if you just tell me what your name is, your name will be famous throughout the entire world. If we can just have this conversation, you can get some notoriety, little ghost, and maybe they'll go for it. Maybe yeah. they won't. <laughs> Who knows? I like it. Let's. I think that. I think that that's the uh, kind of the second wave of ghost shows is going to be nice ghost hunters that are very um, respectful of the dead and and don't go and search for ghosts in asylums just because apparently crazy people are scary. Yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like that there's always ghost activity where something really tragic happens. And I'm like, okay, well, if that's the case, then obviously that's not going to be a friendly ghost. It's going to be a a ghost that's going to want to come after you. You got to go to somewhere where it's more happy. But yet people still died. Hmm. I think think people have died at Disneyland. So maybe that'd be a good place for a ghost hunt for happy ghosts. Yeah, but Disneyland will never admit it. (laughs) Nothing bad ever happens at Disneyland. We're going to do the first interview with a Disneyland ghost. (laughs) Yeah, at, at the Haunted Mansion. Ooh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Disneyland? I haven't, no. No. Um, I've, I just went to uh, Universal Studios just a few years ago with my husband, and that was the first big amusement park I've ever been to. Oh, nice. Yeah, you need to hit up Disneyland. It's it's fun. Even even without, like, I don't know, I've always thought that that's something I need to wait till I have kids, but probably I need to go before I have kids. Oh, no, no, no. You can go. You will turn into a kid. Believe me. <laughs> Well, I'll have to take your advice. It is a magical place. Trust me. The second you walk through those doors, you will be like, wow, I am 100% a kid and I am 30 something years old. (laughs) Now that's, is that the, I've, I always get the two confused. The one in Florida versus California. Uh, Disneyland is California. Disney World is Florida. Disneyland came first. Disney World was second. 
And Disneyland has the Haunted Mansion, right? Yes. And it's uh, also next to California Adventures. They're like literally across the way from each other. Well, sounds like a, you know, get out of Indiana for during the winter and that'd be a nice uh, break from the miserable winters here. Yeah, I know. It's nice and sunny right now. I'm pretty sure it's terrible over there. Are you in California? I am. Ugh. No, it's not too bad yet. It's, uh, I think it was like 50 degrees and sunny, so we got to take what we can get. Oh, nice. 50 degrees and sunny, that's good. It's better than 88 degrees and sunny. Yeah, it, it truly is. Yeah. All right, so do we have time for one more ghost story? You got anything else you want to you wanna tell me? Sure, I can do one more. Cool. Let's see. Give, give me a good one. Let me, let me get to a different episode here. Mm, of course, now it's going to be slow loading. Oof. Ah, this is from our very first episode. So it's a it's one of the best ones I found because I wanted to start off with a bang. Awesome. Um so this one is from the Cincinnati Enquirer of Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's from 1889. A lot of them are from like the 1880s. That's that's really the the sweet spot of ghost stories. So again, we've got a, an old house on the outskirts of town, empty and desolate like uh, like most haunted houses. Um, a guy bought it and, and fixed it up and rented it to a family that the newspaper refers to as the Z's. Um, it's a married couple, uh, a grown daughter and a little boy who's seven years old. Uh, just right after they move in, um, this scene plays out and now quoting from a um, newspaper uh, talking about the young boy who's seven. Um, the child came running in from the hall into the, his mother's room crying out, Oh mama, <laughs> Oh mama, somebody with their hands all wet caught hold of me. His mother commenced to soothe his fright when, to her horror, she perceived that the sleeve of the child's little jacket of white linen bore the marks of a bloody hand. So, of course, the family searched the whole home for the, the source of this bloody handprint, uh, but they can't find anything, so they kind of uneasily settle back down into, into their routine. But then uh, just a week later, the, the daughter this time is looking into the mirror, uh, brushing her hair, and, uh, and this is from the newspaper again. She had been standing before her mirror in her nightdress, braiding her hair, when she perceived a man's hand, all dripping with blood, lying familiarly on her shoulder. Seeing this frightful sight and knowing that there was no living creature in the room beside herself, the terrified girl attempted to run from it, but was mysteriously held fast by that bloody hand. Her nightdress was plainly impressed with the print of a large hand outlined in fresh blood. So obviously they're really uh, hitting home that there was bloody hands. Mm -hmm. uh, so over the next few weeks, this keeps happening. Uh, blood, bloody hands, bloody or just blood splatter kind of is showing up everywhere um, on, on freshly washed uh, sheets, on walls, on, um, on, you know, the floors, on windows, there's, and then it kind of escalates, dishes start, be, start being thrown around, um, there were, uh, uh, in one instance, uh, the husband was uh, struck in the face by an unseen hand, this time not bloody, thankfully, um, and so, uh, 
Mr. Z decides to get a dog uh, uh, to, I guess, protect the house from the ghost, I'm, I, I guess. Um, but sadly, uh, this is reading from a newspaper. Uh, one morning, after an unusually disturbed night, the animal was found dead with a broken neck and a look of almost human terror in its wide open eyes. And that, uh, unbelievably, wasn't the end of it. They still didn't move out of this house. Um, I'm saying if one of my dogs was even, you know, scratched by a ghost, I would be out of here so fast. But um, <laughs> apparently, what did what did it for them was uh, they were sitting out on the on the front porch. They'd actually sent their kids away by this time because the haunting was so intense. And uh, so they're sitting on their front porch, and uh, they see with their eyes and a disembodied hand and it's wreathed in this blue flame and it uh it's just kind of floating there before them and it uh it extends one of its fingers and it starts writing on the planks on the front porch and when it's done it it just just kind of vanished and the the uh the couple stood up and shone their light on it and uh there in blood were written the words the wicked cry, rest, rest, and there is not rest. So that did it for them. They finally moved out of the house, and um, I never, I didn't find any any uh, reports of bloody handprints after that. So I don't know if that means that the house wasn't haunted or wasn't lent again, or if the ghost uh, had had its fun and left or what. But that's a crazy story. <laughs> what? That's the thing about these old ghost stories is that it's almost like, and, and this wasn't the case, it's not like they just discovered that they could tell ghost stories, but it almost seems like they're like, wow, we, uh, you know, nothing was a trope then, so they could get away with anything. Like, it was, it, it was a newer, uh, you know, kind of a newer genre, so they were able to, to get away with a lot more than what we do now. Yeah, it seems like they they embellish, uh, not embellish, but they kind of up talk all of the stuff that's oh. happening. Well, and just the way that they write then is so um, I don't know. They're so much more verbose than our our newspapers now because now we have tight word limits because a lot of newspapers are weeklies or you know once a day, whereas then they were printing newspapers twice a day, wow. and um, you know so there wasn't as much of a word limit so they have really flowery or you know gory uh you know beautiful syntax and flowing um long you know descriptions of these bloody hands and stuff so it's it's fascinating to read them do you know how long these ghost stories continued because it seems like if you open up a newspaper now there's not going to be anything like this do you know how how long it this continued because there had to have been a point where it just stopped yeah um so there was i i can't give an exact date but in the um somewhere between 1910 and 1920 there was this change in um in the way people saw newspapers and this is where the idea of um like the biased newspaper reporting came in into um, fashion, and not that this was the first time there was ever a biased newspaper. It wasn't, but this was the time when reporters started trying to keep the bias out of it. 
Uh, of course, we're human. We all have our biases. All news is biased in some way. But um, this is where they tried to regulate it. And, um, it, you know, we kind of went out of that yellow journalism phase. And um, there are still uh, some ghost stories in those um, decades, but definitely not as many. And they're always in the, like, in the in that section of the newspaper where there's fiction narratives and you know other scary things for kids around Halloween stuff like that you don't find them as much in like you know you wouldn't find one in July on the front page like you might in the 1800s yeah well it seems maybe it had something to do with Harry Houdini starting to debunk a lot of these things that the newspaper is just like yeah I'm not gonna write anything like that we don't want Houdini after us yeah I mean there were several people that were doing debunking, but Harry Houdini was definitely among the top of them. And spiritualism um, is something that has kind of persisted. There's actually still an active spiritualism camp in Indianapolis called Camp Chesterfield. And they do a lot of kind of more new agey kind of spiritualism, but it did start as a, um, as a spiritualist camp where they did um, spirit talks and um, you know trances and they there was a big um, I think the thing that has marked a sharp decrease in that camp was one of the people who worked there published an expose of how they um, of how they got all of their cold reading techniques and how they um, would compile vast um folders on the people they knew were going to be coming in and they'd have all this research done on them and so when they came in uh they know all these things that you couldn't possibly know about me so of course the spirits are telling you so um th that's how they did it so you can tell your wife uh that that's how uh some spiritualists would do it <laughs> oh trust me she would not listen i've already tried to explain to her the concept of cold reading the concept of just being a listener when the subject starts talking you can kind of mm -hmm. pull from all of that stuff that they're saying and then just basically repeat it to them and make it seem like you came up with it so there's there's so uh, there, there's so many things I, I i want my wife to just be like you know what it just it, it is what it is so try just try listening to it to what people are telling you and she doesn't want to hear it she's like nope i i know what it is um, I, you know, she believes it and I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can believe it all you want, but why don't I just tell you this other thing and then you can honestly make up a judgment if you get both sides of the argument, but she doesn't mm -hmm. want to hear the other side. I think the best way to have things like that, um, dispelled is to have it happen to you. So maybe take her to a, um, Harry Houdini like man, cause he used to do, um, readings cool readings on people and then tell them how they did it so um you just need to get somebody to do a cold reading on her and then explain how they knew all that stuff oh i can probably do it but i know her so yeah, she wouldn't go for it she she wouldn't go for it uh i i don't know i've i i don't know the, it, it will continue to the day we die i'm assuming <laughs> hey, you gotta have something to talk about right yeah but she <laughs> like like i said she can believe whatever she wants i'll believe whatever i want I'm not saying that every single person out there 
that's a, that says they're a medium can't do what they're doing. I'm just saying it hasn't been proven yet. So yeah. until then, who knows? Cool. So I guess that, that is going to do it for us on our discussion on ghost stories from old newspapers. <laughs> so uh, Lindsay, why don't you tell us again where people can find you? Yeah, we're all over the internet at ghostpresspod.com. So that's Twitter, ghostpresspod, and Facebook's also ghostpresspod. So um, you follow us and we're on iTunes, or sorry, Apple Podcasts and uh, Google Play and pretty much all the podcatchers. So uh, whatever you're using, we're probably there. Uh, and we come out bi-weekly, so, or bi-monthly, every other week <laughs> is when we come <laughs> out. So our next one will come out on Halloween Day. Perfect. Sounds good. So that is going to do it for us here at the Halloween Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or want to suggest anything for a future show, you can go ahead and send those to thehalloweenpodcast at gmail.com. If you have, you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thehalloweenpodcast. We are on Twitter at thehalloweenpod. If you'd like to support the show, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Those always help. You can also go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thehalloweenpod. Lindsay, thank you so much again for coming on to the show very, very last minute. Well, thanks again for having me. My pleasure. And if you ever need anybody else very last minute, I'd be happy to fill in. Sounds good. Now that I know your time frame works good for me. Trust me. (laughs) So, yeah, we will see you again next time for another episode of the Halloween podcast. Have a good night.